Okay, so this is what we need to do. You can do the lighting. You can lay on the couch. I'll play the clarinet, and we should totally be opening up for Asking Alexandria. Thanks for checking out Party Like a Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Joel Miller. Today's episode is brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an LA-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese spreads on the market today. They're delicious and healthy, made from a cashew and almond milk, and blended with various locally sourced fresh herbs, vegetables, and spices. There's no vegetable oils, soy, fillers, starches, or nutritional yeast. It's lactose-free, paleo, keto, kosher perev, and 100% vegan. Enjoy the show. Alex Mungle is a Canadian lighting designer and technical director. He's worked with Suicide Boys, Ice Nine Kills, and the Black Dahlia Murder. He's currently out with Asking Alexandria on the re-entry tour featuring A Day to Remember. Adam Cowan is an LD. He's worked for Hollywood Undead, In This Moment, Rusco, Seven Dust, Some 41, Breaking Benjamin, Kids Bop the Beatles, and is currently on tour with A Day to Remember. You're actually not the first Kids Bop guest. <laughs> hey, Kids Bop's a good gig. It's not, no, it's not rock and roll, but it's a good gig to be on. I had Chris Musgrave on. I gave him a lot of, I gave him a hard time about it, but he, uh, he fucking loves Kids Bop, man. <laughs> hey, we love that paycheck. That's what we love. Yeah, it's a good gig. He said it's honestly like laugh as much as you want. I don't give a shit. It's a fucking great gig. <laughs> yeah, people are great. You know, the shows are easy. The kids are wonderful. Uh, light load work. Uh, we do Thursday through Sunday. Fly in and out. It's a perfect gig. For a, for a guy that's been on the road for quite a while, it's a good gig to kind of settle into and calm down a little bit. There you go. How are you guys enjoying the, what you're doing now? You're on tour together, so it's cool. Wonderful. Everything's been going well. Like a I'm sure Alex can attest that we've had to jam quite a bit of stuff in some small rooms, but it's been working out. Yep. Uh, I've been, you know, loving working and sharing in front of house with Alex. It's always nice to meet a new lighting designer that I haven't toured with before. And we have a good time out in front of house and get along really well. And that's the most important thing when you're stuck with somebody out front for a long time, a couple of weeks, it's, it's good to get, have a good relationship. Yeah, especially with some of the shows, like like he said, where we're having to cram in a lot of gear into a tiny space, and then I have to decide as the support band, what do I cut in order to make sure that everybody can actually do their show? And the, I mean, the goal is everybody does the biggest, baddest show that we can, right? But at the same time, when we're in a small room that we can't fly everything and hang everything and put everything in, it, it's good to be with a bunch of people that everybody's kind of got each other's backs and everybody wants to make the show happen, right? Yeah. So you want to hear uh, Adam's dating profile? (laughs) (laughs) And I'll elaborate. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) I don't. Both you guys did the same thing. I'm like, I need a bio. You guys sent me like dating profile. So, or well, actually, that's not true. That's not true. Adam sent me dating profile, but both you guys just wrote, you know, like long walks on the beach. I'm like, all right. Hey, I'll take a long walk on the beach any day, brother. Any day. You know what? How could anybody complain about it? So here we go. So Adam is an artist. He enjoys painting and airbrushing. I was actually an art dealer and art history major, so I will not make fun of you at all. All right. And uh, when he's not doing that, he's painting houses and working on sign shop painting signs, which actually I'm into. So I want to know about that. You live on a boat still? Uh, when I'm on uh, when I'm on the road, I'm kind of bouncing around between Maryland, where my current home is, and South Carolina. I moved down there during the pandemic. I fell in love with uh, that area of Charleston. It's amazing. Met a lot of new friends that I haven't, uh, you know, met before. And you know, when your life on the road has been cut and complete zero, you have to figure out a different way of life. And to me, the boat, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Being on the water every day. Um, so you have a storage. You keep your crap in the public storage, basically, and then you have the boat. Yeah, the public storage is called my parents' garage. Nice. <laughs> No, it's great. I, I, you know, I, I traveled around during the pandemic. I spent some time in Florida. I drove out to the West Coast of Oregon for a little bit. Um, you know, just basically did a tour by myself that, you know, a lot of the times when you're on a tour bus, you don't see anything but the inside of the bus. Yeah. You've got the window. You're like, oh, look at that. That's really cool. But, you know, I spent a lot of time just going to those places. I went to a lot of parks in Utah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I really don't – I don't think that I have a location that I would call – where I live at home is Maryland for me, but I do like to spend time in, in uh, South Carolina, but it's kind of, 
Am I going to make that a permanent home base one day? Not sure. You know, I'm kind of tied to the north. I'm a Maryland guy through and through. Got the, the tattoo. Once you got a tattoo, you got to stay there. So, so home is basically your parents' garage. <laughs> exactly. And that's not a lot. <laughs> that must help the dating profile a lot. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you got to really work your way around that before you take them back to the garage. But, you know, it works sometimes. <laughs> okay. And we won't go there. We won't go there. But with the with the sign painting stuff, so that I'm intrigued by. That's neat. So are you like doing the window, like the airbrushing on the windows, or are you like painting wood signs? We're painting wood signs. When I got out of high school, I actually went to school as a graphic design. Um, it's like a certificate program at a community college. Uh, I don't really want to spend all the money on going into debt, but the classes were reasonable. I learned everything you need to learn about digital art and everything like that that you would learn from a major university. Uh, my best friend growing up, he started a sign shop. We started back in the day doing the vinyl stickers on vans and windows, business cards, stuff like that. But, you know, as technology progressed and his, uh, you know, his business started growing, we started getting into the hand carved signs. Uh, we do a lot of those for local businesses. We do. So you stay that busy? You'd be surprised. I mean, when I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm bouncing around. Like I said, I, I was in Florida. I was in the West Coast. And he's like, man, can you fly home to help me out with this job? I got a big sign I need to paint. He's just busy all the time. He's kind of a one-man operation. His father just passed away, which was his main partner. So I did fly home to oh. kind of get him out of the weeds a little bit. And I love doing that, man. There's nothing better than throwing some tunes on and just getting some paint ready and sitting in front of the sign to paint for a while. But it's, it's pretty busy. And, and he keeps his normal clients and they're you know, with the, uh, the different types of lettering and stuff, he has a lot of repeat clients that will come back for, you know, when they buy a new truck or something like that, or a boat or a new business we do the signs for. So it's, it's actually pretty profitable. Alex needs a sign. Want to say, fuck the sound guy. Can you make that happen? <laughs> he doesn't say that word. He's from Canada. Oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> I do plaster a Canadian flag all over front of house, though. Good for you. Flag, we're all proud of where we're from. You know? Yeah. yeah. Do people do bad shit to your front of house because there's Canadian flags all over it? No, no. I mean, like asking Alexandria, the band I'm with is, is from England. So I guess they appreciate the foreigners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. York, right? York, England. Yep. Yeah. I did my research. <laughs> you did your research. And you didn't fact check the fact that I worked for the Beatles. So how much did you do the research? I did not look that much. That's true. You got me. You got me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Suicide as soon boy. as you threw kids bop in there he, he just said okay sure whatever he says well, kids <laughs> bop was like this big tangent you know i made this joke in one of these and i wanted to go like hate breed seven dust you know and all, the, all these heavy and and uh kids bop <laughs> but the truth is is a lot of these resumes are that now because you know all the guys are floating everywhere so you guys included you there's a there's a bit of difference in uh musical style here with your guys's resumes you know so now, I did look a little bit. Suicide Boys, I'd never heard of before yesterday. Sorry. But uh, are these dudes happy now? <laughs> I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a hip-hop group, right? They're from, uh, from New Orleans. Um, it's a cool show. I mean, very theatrical, moving set pieces. They have a bunch of houses, like literally 16-foot-tall houses on the stage that catch on fire and then collapse. It's, it's pretty cool. Super cool. Yeah. So they're a huge tours. Yeah. Oh, they're doing, they're doing actually, we've been doing our venues and then like a day later or maybe two days later, Suicide Boys is behind us. Wow. Yeah. yeah good on them, man. That sounds really neat. So you have two houses that completely crumble on the stage? Three, three 16 foot tall houses wow. that are like working door and everything. And then in the middle of the show, um, the boys walk into one of the houses and there's smoke everywhere and then the houses collapse and then you know they're obviously not there anymore and then it's, so it's kind of like a disappearing act and then uh, the stage hands the local hands get handed these firefighter costumes to actually make the changeover happen to get all these pieces off the stage so they come running on in the chaos and there's lasers going off everywhere it's 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 a lot there's a lot going on but uh, it's a whole thing. We involve the, the local crew to, to try to get them making the show look cohesive and also keep, you know, these giant set pieces able to get off the stage in a timely manner. So it's like a magic show with music? Yeah, yeah. Good. That sounds about right. <laughs> right on. 
And so how long have YouTube been out now? How long has your tour been? Uh, we started what end of September. September. We did, uh, Data Remember did Blue Ridge Rock Festival, which this is my first tour with them. And I was, I was super pumped to be working with these guys. But the, the first time, first show I did with them was at a headline slot at a festival in front of God knows how many people. Uh, you know, they had been rehearsing a new set list. I didn't have a show file programmed. There was not much information given to anybody that was at the festival. And I was like, if I can make it through these festival dates that we did, we did incarceration with Mudvayne. Um, we did Blue Ridge with Breaking Benjamin, who I was previously employed by. Hmm. And uh, it was just these big, massive festivals for my first trip. Like, I was so nervous. And I don't really get nervous, but you know, it's, it was kind of nerve wracking, but uh, I figured if we made it through those festivals, then I would be able to survive this tour. And so we did about two weeks prior to our tour starting off. We did a week of programming and rehearsals in Orlando before the tour started. So I think I left probably around September 18th is when I started uh, doing the rehearsals and stuff. So I'm starting to feel like we've been out here for more than a month and it's starting to, starting to get to me a little bit. Yeah, no, that's that. Uh, we were texting earlier saying like it, we're only at the halfway point right now, literally the halfway point. But it feels like we've been out here for months. I I've been out about the same amount of time. We started beginning of September with rehearsals and prep. Uh, same festivals that that a day to remember was on. We were there a day after on each. Um, that was a bit of a system shock for me, though. I mean, coming from Canada where everything's locked down and. Yeah. and everything and then I, at the time I was working in film before I, I transitioned back here into, into rock and roll but that was strict you know everybody wear a mask everybody's wearing two masks face shields goggles around actors all that stuff like everything and then my first day back in America it's like oh no here's 30,000 people without masks okay let's do it yeah <laughs> welcome back nerve-wracking seeing that <laughs> Well, we get to see your beautiful face now. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen much of Alex's face. We have pretty strict uh, rules on, on days that we're doing shows, and rightly so. You know, we're all trying to stay out here. It's kind of a pain in the ass if you want the truth. Um, but Yeah, you know, but I'd, I'd rather keep my job. Yeah, we're all, we all feel the same. It's masks everywhere. I mean, you wear a mask when you're sitting on the bus because you're wearing it all day long, and we're all, you know, we have the rules that when we're with each other, that we tour with we don't have to wear masks and stuff like that on our own respective buses but you know we'll be sitting there two hours after the show we're all sitting there wearing masks and we're like oh shit it's like remembering to take your radio off you're like oh you can take your radio off now the show's over you can take your mask off um but it it's a little bit it's difficult sometimes luckily i don't call any spots on this tour i was calling spots at blue ridge with a mask on and you know those the stagehands are vary from city to city and it's hard to communicate with a mask on anyway, let alone speaking to a microphone to a spot op that doesn't know your show. And, and it's, it's pretty difficult. So fortunately we're not calling spots on this tour, hmm. but I don't mind the mask as much at, at the show time. Last night it was uh, cold as hell outside. So the math mask was giving me a little extra warmth around the face area. So I've had that a couple of times where I didn't mind it because of the warmth. Yeah, actually I, I don't ever wear shoes during my show. I'm a beach guy. I wear sandals all through the day, except for when I'm on stage, I throw some shoes on. But I actually had to put my shoes on last night, uh, two songs towards the end, because it was so freaking cold standing on concrete. In the, in the Did you place. notice a difference in the performance, Alex? <laughs> Were you sure. I mean, my, 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 my tapping foot was a little bit padded, so I think I was off a half step. <laughs> yeah, you're off a half step. All I noticed was a bunch of Americans complaining about the cold. Yeah. Like, oh, come on, the man. Grateful Dead man, put on your <laughs> shoes. <laughs> so do you guys uh how'd you become LDs? I tried once. I, I was uh it's actually the opening of my book is about me trying to be an LD and uh boy did I fuck it up. <laughs> it was like it was really amazing how bad you can fuck it up. And I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I mean I'll uh, you know I'll I guess I'll take this one first, Alex. Um I started when I, you know, I've been doing this. I graduated high school in the year 2000, which is now 21 years ago. And uh, I went to a concert when I was in 10th grade. My first concert I went to see was the Family Values Tour with Limp Bizkit and Stain. And I'll never forget walking into that arena. And I, and I, and Stain was playing, never been to an arena show, never been to a concert before in my life. And you can kind of hear the, the music pumping from the, you know, the upper levels of the arena. We're getting our beers and our food and all that stuff and whatever. 
And I walked in, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like the music hits you, the sound hits you, the lights, you know, they didn't have a massive, you know, lighting show. They were, you know, so what year is that? So That's like 2002. I think the Family Values tour that I saw was 1996 or seven. Okay. It was Crystal Method, Limp Bizkit and Stained. And I believe they bounced back and forth with corn and a bunch of different things. Limp Bizkit had the big toilet ball on the, on the stage. That's the tour that that was. I was really hoping I wasn't working the show that you're reminiscing on because I would have felt really bold. <laughs> it would have been in Philly. It was in Philly. I remember going there, but when I saw that, I was like, damn, this is really cool. And I, and I didn't have this like light, you know, over my head epiphany that I was like, oh, I got to do this. But I was like, damn, this is pretty wild. I started going to a lot more concerts after that. And then I started getting into music a lot more after that. I started what working were you doing for, in high school. Where were you working? Uh, I was working in high school. I worked at a pet store. Oh. like just like I just got my license when I was 16 I was getting like the most bottom of the barrel job and it was great you know I loved working with the animals and stuff but I did do a lot of uh, uh, a lot of my friends were in bands and we hung out in a lot of barns and garages with cover bands playing songs and stuff and I started working for a band basically uh, meeting them at the bars they were playing at they would pay me ten dollars per member to meet them in the parking lot set their gear up inside ten dollars to take it down so I was 16 17 years old making $150, $200 a night. It's like, damn, I am rich right now. Fuck this pet store. Uh, you know, I'm going to do this. Um, and then afterwards, you know, I graduated high school and I kind of went by the wayside. I went to the graphic design school and everything. And I saw, I saw a cover band. Philly's really big for their cover bands. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to a bar one night and I saw this cover band and the singer was amazing. She was a beautiful woman. Uh, I was just totally enamored by how amazing she was. And I ended up working, uh, working for those guys first doing lighting and cover band. Is that Alex's mom? Is that her <laughs> older sister? Older sister? <laughs> Alex, you got an older sister? Come on. Don't hold that. I have an older sister. Just a mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I started doing that and, you know, it kind of progressed and I started working for production companies. Uh, obviously, you're not the greatest lighting guy when you start. And, you know, 20 years ago, technology was a hell of a lot different than it is today. And you know, even the simplest task that, you know, Alice can attest to me, like, how do you do this on the console? You know, how do you do this? How do you do that? I'm not the most, I mean, I've been working on tour for many, many years. I've been a Grand MA guy for five years. I don't know any, everything about that console. And I don't think anybody really does. Uh, and the simplest tasks, you're like, oh shit, like that's so easy. And I, I'm like, Alex, how do I do this? How do I do that? It's, it's like, just hit this button twice and it does that. So, you know, it's, it doesn't matter how many years you're on the road. Or there was the, uh, there was walking into that park hand rig yesterday. Oh, that yeah. threw you off. That, was big no, that definitely threw me off, you know. And <laughs> I was like thinking, I was like, if I could, if I didn't have my own lighting package flown, I would have rather had a full park hand rig and the tiniest little lighting console and just use the timing that I've created. You know, I have pretty good timing over the years, but uh, when you're trying to clone in a park hand rig to a digital world, you know, it's like analog and digital meets uh, whatever. And I'm not going to say how I pulled it off, but it was it, it worked out good. Nice professionalism. That's right. Yeah. What about you, Alex? What were you doing in high school? Um, in high school, I was a musical theater geek. Oh. Um, I loved theater from the very first show that I saw when I was a kid. I saw Phantom of the Opera. Um, and that, that was in Toronto with my parents. They took me to see Phantom and Les Mis, and I fell in love with theater. I used to be able to play Phantom of the Opera on my clarinet in junior high school. <laughs> nice. I have pictures That's right. from old family yes. photo albums of me reenacting scenes from Les Mis, uh, just pushing the couches together and lying there dead for hours. Okay, so this is what we need to do. You can do the lighting. <laughs> you can lay on the couch. I'll play the clarinet, and we should totally be opening up for Asking Alexandria. There you go. All right. Sounds like a good plan. Ooh, we'll make extra money. That'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no so I, I I did a lot of theater in my early days um, when I wasn't in school I was doing uh, just local theater stuff small theater stuff and then I kind of moved uh, just into production jobs um, I started actually with sound before I did lights um, so I did a lot of sound for even like resorts and hotels and stuff just small corporate style things we all make um, mistakes. It's okay. It's, I know. It's, I know. I, the Canadian I grew up eventually. thing took a little longer to get going. Yeah, it's the cold. It just slows us down, right? 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I went from sound, eventually got bored of that, realized, uh, you know, sound isn't as fun as I, not was not, I didn't think that sound was fun. I was just like, this isn't fun. This isn't fun. And you went into like this. <laughs> well, see, I was a drummer. I was, I was also a drummer and I thought, you know what? I want to tour. I want to play rock shows and stuff. But one, being Canadian, two, being a drummer from Canada, there's no money. I'm basically painting a place. So I wasn't making anything, maybe five bucks a day. Um, so it wasn't worth it at that point. And I was doing some audio for bands as well on the road and then kind of drifted into, okay, well, I could do lights because that's basically drumming. Isn't Neil Peart a Canadian drummer? He is. Okay. <laughs> one, of the, one of the lucky few. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was just like, you know, I, I wanted to do my art of, you know, percussive stuff, but I couldn't do that on a, like as an artist. So I kind of moved into lighting because I had a bit of that tech background and then kind of developed my style because of my theater stuff. I took a lot of that with rock and roll, kind of mixed the two together, kept going with theater. And then a few years ago, probably five, six years ago, I kind of made a return back into rock and roll, bringing every bit of theater that I could. Oh, so um, I mean, you like, you're, you're totally, you're an artist. You really you think so for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's neat. I mean, it's, I'll say our show, even on this tour is, is very theatrical. It's not so much, I know a day to remember is very flashy rock and roll. It's a, it's a great show that they put on and then our show is a very different flavor mm-hmm. of the night. Um, so it's cool to have those two different contrasts on the same tour to have our kind of more theatrical vibe and then get into this like crazy, awesome rock show um, with a lot of, a lot of strobe lights. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I got a couple pairs of shades in my uh, front of house bag. That's, it's, it's, it's a pretty strobe heavy show, but I think, you know, with, like you said, Alex, with the theatrics of asking Alexandria, and I've always wondered how, uh, promoters build these acts together and I think that asking has their certain fan base they're bringing more tickets in because we're bringing such a diverse show we're not just saying like this is a, a huge rock show with the same similar bands and I, and I think it's kind of scientist scientific thing that I don't know anything about because I'm not a promoter but I've toured with some bands that are like what in the hell are these guys on this bill with us for but they bring in their amount of crowd base and maybe a thousand extra tickets per night because of this band per se on the tour What's the oddest? The uh, what was the oddest bill you had? Uh, I can't speak for what the oddest bill that I had was, but I will say I did a long amount of tours with Five Finger Death Punch and Breaking Benjamin together, and we did a co-headline tour where we flip-flopped every single night. And it depends on I, I don't know how they did who was going to headline the evening, but every single day, uh, you know, it was either Breaking Benjamin headlining or Five Finger. Like I said, I don't know how they chose which one. But the fans from Breaking Benjamin would be so pissed off if Five Finger was headlining, and the fans from Five Finger Death Punch would be so pissed off at Breaking Benjamin. They're like, what the fuck is this band playing for? And like I said, I don't know, but it was it's really odd because they do draw two totally different types of people. And yeah. The Blue Man group, and they opened up for I think it was Slipknot, Godsmack, Stone Temple Pilots, and then Rage Against the Machine. And it was like, who the fuck put the Blue Man group before Godsmack? You know, I mean, what the? Yeah. These dudes got hurt. It was bad. <laughs> they Blue were Man the group is an amazing group to see if you've never seen them live. I, I went to, I lived in Chicago for a period of time, and you know they have their theater in Chicago. And I'm telling you, it's a really amazing show. But Slipknot and Godsmack doesn't really fit the bill. I can't remember if Slipknot was on the bill or not, but it was like a lot of testosterone and I felt bad for the guys. There was no way they could do their art. I mean, they just, they actually finished the show. They went through their whole gig. And I mean, they got pelted with more shit than I've ever seen from anybody else. It was nuts. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And then I did a poison show or a point. I was doing a poison run and we did a show with the turtles and that was so cool. I was so glad to see somebody who didn't have long hair. <laughs> Actually, he does he has like a fro, flowing Eddie? I don't know, maybe, but just something fucking different, you know. So I was like, oh, Vince Neil might show up. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Hey, a different decade. What? I don't know if you had heard this, Alex, but when we were in Vegas the other day. There was a special table reserved for 
a special person that was right next to stage right in front of house. And I was like, who's going to be there? And they're like, Billy Idol has a table reserved. Right yeah, that yeah, was right right beside my console. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I hope Billy Idol's here. I just, I'm not a huge Billy Idol fan, but that is a rock star. That's a really cool dude. And like, you can't knock him for anything he's ever done. And I was like, dang, just to be next to Billy Idol and rocking out with Billy Idol next to you. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't see him. Uh, I don't know if you showed No, up. there was there was some photographer that was in that booth, but that was right next to my console. And I, was, I kept looking over all night. Yeah. I mean, I'm most of my show. I'm dodging beach balls and toilet paper rolls and shit like that. It's but, true. Um, Alex is Alex usually comes out around that time to 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 catch toilet paper rolls. Uh, they remember has a couple of gags where they throw these gigantic beach balls out in the crowd, and there's like 20 of them, and those things probably weigh five pounds a piece when they're coming with you. Of course, it's enough to change your console to another song, or to flatten your screen down, or just to bust your neck back if you're not paying attention. I've seen people get hit directly and I kind of laugh a little bit. I, if you're sitting there watching somebody get hit directly in the forehead with a roll of toilet paper, it's unexpected. It's kind of funny. It's kind of comical. So now everyone's going to bring rolls of toilet paper to every show you do. Oh, you don't have to. We, they provide them. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah, they have advanced, uh, like, I think there's 30 plus rolls. So every day when we show up, there's a, a box of beach balls that the stagehands blow up with the air compressor. And there's a, there's like a case of toilet paper and like, God forbid, you remember at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody I was, was just going to say, is this your guys' fault that we got no toilet paper? <laughs> it's got to be. I don't know. I mean, it's, Fucking it's kind rock of funny. Stars. <laughs> kind of funny. It, rock stars do whatever they want, and it's fine. I stuff a couple rolls of toilet paper in my uh, my front of house work box just in case we ever go back to that situation. I hung out with Billy Idol. You guys really missed out. I'm sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm mean, i still – I'm 40 years old. I remember the Billy Idol days, um, and I had a couple friends that were working – Back in the day, they used to go and sign up people for credit cards at these big concerts and stuff like that, like a Bank of America or something. And Billy Idol was always the guy. And I remember all these girls I used to date had pictures with Billy Idol. And they're like, he's such a nice guy, such a cool rock star. It's like, I want to meet Billy Idol one day. And I thought Vegas was going to be my opportunity to match. So It was like two girls that he dated, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Fuck. You know what you should do with Billy Idol? He he did interviews on uh, Dave Letterman like in 1980 whatever, and they're fucking great because he's such a little asshole. <laughs> he's, so, he's so good, and David Letterman I think is like the best interviewer ever, and oh, so he he's so amazing. And so him, those two together, you'll laugh, you'll you'll smile. It's just great. It's just great because he's just. He's the shit, man. It's fucking Billy Idol. So I'll definitely do, I definitely do some YouTube research on days off. So if that's on YouTube, I'll definitely be looking at that. Later. It is on YouTube. The other one I really like, and I actually just put it on the web page, was a Johnny Rotten interview with, that you should watch. It's it's like 15 minutes, and it's, it's just – he's so drunk, and he's such a fucking prick. He's up there with Rollins and Duff and some other guys, and he's just an asshole, and it's just brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, tangent. Not to miss saying that Billy, but as soon as you talk about Billy Idol, I go straight to assholes. <laughs> but he's, he's not, is he an asshole? Though? I feel like he's got to be a nice guy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, oh, he is a nice guy. Spiky. I think he went through a young time where he was like, you know, he thought it was the shit. And I'm totally talking out of turn. I don't know, but I think he thought it was the shit. And then he got into a really bad motorcycle accident. I think that kind of switched things up. He got a little more humble after uh, facing death, you know? Yeah. So, and I think he might have had a heart attack, but I'm not sure. But um, yeah, he's fucking rock and roll, man. You know, he's oh, yeah. he's great. Like those guys back in the day, when I see people like Billy Idol and even all the Motley Crue guys and all those guys still alive, I feel like we are doing Alex and I are doing a very much mild version of the touring that these people did back in the day. Because Jesus Christ, I feel I haven't even really drank that much on this tour. I just I'm finding comfort in just going on the bus. And I, I like to party. Don't get me wrong. I love to do it. And I've spent my years doing it. But I was like, damn, this could be a really good opportunity for me working with a new band to kind of not be the drunkest guy on the bus all the time or to be everything <laughs> that I used to be back in the day. I was like, I can impress a whole new group of people by not getting shit-faced every night. So, you know, I I've sit back and often wonder how do those people make it through the 80s and the, the early 90s when they were just doing drugs all the time and doing six to 10 shows in a row and in different continents and all that stuff. It's called cocaine. <laughs> La coca. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I'm, 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 I'm a bit at like all my friends laugh. It's like eight 30 at night. 
I'm like, is it too late for you to go out? You're fucking right it is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, it's sleepy time, dude. What do you want? <laughs> I was excited last night. I thought we were going to have an early cur- curfew because we were outdoors. I was like, so we're going to be done at 10 o'clock tonight, right? Kids Bop shows ended at like 8.30. It was amazing. Let me get back to Kids Bop, how amazing that is. You know, we're talking about, you can't keep these kids up past their bedtime. Their bedtime is what, 8.45? We had two trucks that we loaded. They would be done at 9.30. And we were sitting on the bus drinking beers and chatting by 10.15. I was like, damn, we're usually done with the show at 11.15, loading 10 trucks, and we're in bed by three o'clock in the morning and then walk and chalk at 6 a.m. the next day. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, much props to Kid Bop again. See, I, I used to do way, way back. I used to do musical theater for kids. So we took, we had like a, um, a show that would travel to all these cities. It was a, it, it was a tour, but people would come out as schools during the day. So we had, you know, these these big ass theaters rented out that we were that we would put our show on, load in at five in the morning, build our rig, have everything up and running, and then we'd have two shows in a day, be packed up and on the road by four o'clock. And and I was home because this was all Ontario and Quebec. So I was able to go to the show, drive the truck back to my house, then drive the following day back to the next show and stuff. And we would do that every day. And I was home, you know, nine o'clock at night. It was great. Yeah. Great. When, when all my friends are like texting me saying like, oh yeah, man, we're, we're going on in 15 minutes. It's like, oh, I just got home. <laughs> See ya. Good night. You miss theater? Uh, I do. And I don't, um, I will always love theater and I appreciate good theater. Um, but being able to do stuff with bands like Asking that give me the ability to pull all my theater tricks out and use these techniques and stuff, it's, I, I, it makes me not miss it because I'm still able to immerse everybody in theater while still doing a rock and roll show. Like, don't get me wrong, we still have strobe lights, we still, you know, make stuff flashy. But just some of the moments that I'm able to really capture and highlight, ooh, that's a theater moment. Let me throw this in here. Let me light them only from the side. Let me try this. Let me try this technique. We got to make them like business cards to hand out that say like Les Miserables and he just hands them out to the audience in the middle of the show. <laughs> Don't See, forget. Back in the day, you know, this is the, like with the COVID protocols and, and, you know, we're not really allowed to have many guests on our, on our tour because of COVID and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm sure Alex can, you know, say this, you know, we've always, we want to have friends, we have friends all over the United States. We want them to see, to be there with us in front of house. They will, you know, want to see what we're doing and how we're, you know, how we're traveling and what a lighting guy does. And, you know, like, well, we see you on Facebook doing all this stuff all the time. Like, what do you actually do? And then they get to stand next to you and like, wow, we're doing a lot more shit than what we actually think, you know? Um, but it's, it's been kind of difficult, but you know, I remember back in the back in some of my older band days. You know, I would get a couple guest passes in front of house and kind of walk around the crowd. And you could hand out a couple guest passes to girls, if you may say that, or whatever, or friends. Uh, and they would get to sit there and watch you, and then go hang out backstage and drink with you afterwards. And yeah, not. But uh, it's not like that this tour, and it's it's kind of like I like seeing Alex come to the show. I'm like, oh, there's a buddy sitting next to me right now. It feels nice to have someone next to you because you feel so isolated when you're just standing there. Well, by I yourself. mean, obviously what, what it is, is, you, you know, you're stuck working a lot of hours and then what's the fun part to go drink a beer and go to sleep. So it's like, what part of this day was for me? Like I didn't get anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm really, you know, I, I've never worked with our front of house guy. His name's Nate Northway. He's, he's a really nice guy. He's amazing. He's, he does Rise Against. He does uh, a lot of big bands. And just Actually, spending time with him. I had him on here. He was telling me what an asshole you were, to be honest. Bullshit. He loves it. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, it's nice, but it's like, you know, like you said, we, the, lighting, the lighting has their own side. The audio has their own side. And it's just nice to have somebody kind of sitting there with you because you feel like, like you're by yourself. And, you know, you lock eyes with the artist on stage and you're like, it just feels weird. You know, it feels like you should be doing something. You should be partying. You should I be think it is it when you got somebody who's just not in the industry um, or even maybe if they are, if they tap you on the shoulder, like that was fucking badass. And you're like, I know it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you should feel good. Yeah. yeah. Nice. yeah like, and then, then we get the opposite side when you get somebody that in the audience, that's like, Hey, can you turn up the guitars a little bit? I can't hear the guitar mix. And I go, 
<laughs> you do. <laughs> this is a perfect moment for one of the wood signs. Lemurs yeah. are up. Lemurs are up. <laughs> yeah, I've, I think every lighting guy in the industry has got. I can't hear the singer. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just no, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll fix that real quick. And it doesn't matter what you do. Even even yesterday when I was on stage focusing a parkan rig, I know very well that that guy did not move those lights. And I was like, yep, yeah, looks good. I was like, just down a little bit, down a little bit. And he didn't touch those lights. I was like, yeah, it looks great. You know, so oh yeah, like you were you were looking up at him. I was up on the hill watching everything, and it's like that didn't move. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I have a stiff neck. I'm an old man, dude. I, my pillow sucks on the bus. So, I did towards towards the last thirty. I was just like, yep, 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 yep. Next, next, next. But it was all right. Right on. All right. So I was going to put together a podcast, and um, my buddy's daughter is in fifth grade. She had her little girlfriends over, and collectively they came up with a question to ask every guest. And the question is, when did you first feel famous? So bear in mind, we have a little kid here. But uh, we could broaden it, or we don't have to. You could say when you first felt famous, or it could be when you thought you were on the right path. There was a moment in your career that was exciting. There was a, a an event worth talking about uh, that set you on your way. What would you What would you guys each choose? Go ahead and take this one first, Alex. Um. Well, see, it wasn't necessarily because I mean, being being the lighting guy, or even any crew member. You, you probably don't feel famous famous but i think the connections that you're able to make sometimes where you're able to um you know post something on facebook or instagram and say oh i'm in this city and then you have friends that are also in that city that have these crazy big shows and stuff and you get to go see them or you know being able to take a friend to a concert at home and be like you know hey let's go see this show um for me specifically there there's a moment that you know my my wife had never seen marilyn manson she loves marilyn manson we both love marilyn manson and uh the i guess what last tour that manson and zombie did together twins of evil um you know i had a lot of connections on that tour friends on that tour uh and i actually i had started that tour as well i was on the tour at the beginning of it and then i went home Mm -hmm. um and so when that tour finally came through um, Canada, I was able to say, hey, let's go see this show. And she got the whole experience going backstage, having catering, hanging out with Manson, um, being a personal guest on on that bill is pretty cool. And then, you know, her hanging side stage with Paul, their guitar player and stuff. It, it, it was a cool experience to be able to say, you know, this was all free. <laughs> Yeah. We didn't win a contest or anything. You know, you got that that experience, that opportunity because of our connection. So it's not necessarily fame, yeah. Um, but it's something that I just kind of really appreciate is being able to support friends and hang out with friends that are parts of these big acts that I grew up listening to or I enjoyed or somebody enjoyed. And if I can't go, sometimes I have a friend that's like, oh, do you know this person? Yeah, I can get you in for that. That's the, that's the famous feel. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely helps quite a bit. I, I would say the same thing, you know, where, you know, friends are always texting me like, Hey, I'm in this city. You know, do you know this band that's coming through? And a lot of times I do, I've been on the road for quite a while. It's like, do you really want to go through all the hassle to, to hook up a friend? How close are they to you? Um, it's not a, like, Oh, a friend of a friend of a friend wants this ticket. Probably not going to touch that, but uh, you know, it is, it does feel nice to be able to, to go hook your friends up to see free shows when they come in town. And, and that's kind of part of the perks of it. But I remember when I, not that I felt famous or anything, like you said, uh, but I felt like I've done something with my life and in the career that I've chosen. I was with Breaking Benjamin. We were doing an outdoor show in Florida somewhere. It was a festival or a big outdoor stadium show or something. And we got a radio call to come to the production office. And we're all like, anytime you get an all crew radio call to come to the production office, you're like, oh shit, something's bad, really bad. And so we all kind of, we're all like sauntering into the production office. We're like, on, what do you think's happening and they're like uh dark before dawn went gold today we're gonna need all of your your names and addresses because we're sending you gold records i was like holy shit like every single crew guy that has a gold record i don't give a shit what you say um it's it's the most accomplished feeling because that's something you can hang on your wall that all your friends can come in and see like you think i haven't been doing shit my whole life like this is what i've been doing and i got this you know it's like and not that we work it for it the band works for that shit you know it's like yeah. Well, we do work our asses off and that's kind of like a thank you to the crew for your hard work and stuff. But I, I look at that every day when I'm at home and I'm like, damn, 
whatever I've chosen to do with my life, I have this on my wall. And if I would choose something else after this point, I feel like I've done the due diligence in my career that I've, I've made it this far and I can go work at a pet store again. If I want to. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like it. I got a feeling on this tour, you guys haven't done too much windups or show antique type smart ass stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> yeah, not really. We, you know, the crew, the, the crew on the crew bus is pretty tight. I'm a new guy on the bus. Everyone has been together for almost 10 years. Yeah, uh, Data Remember crew has been, all the members have been close to 10 years wow. uh, with each other. So when I came on the bus, I was like kind of timid. I've been touring with the same production manager for almost seven years. His name's Mike Macri. Uh, one of my close personal friends, he does everything. And he's got me a lot of my gigs and stuff. So I was pretty intimidated walking onto a bus full of new people and Right away, they just took me in, and I felt so comfortable and so welcomed, and it's cool. And we have our own antics on the bus and stuff like that. Uh, it's nothing crazy. We're not like a, a huge partying crew or anything like that, but we do have a good time. Cool. And uh, I don't know if they're like, you know what the biggest antics I think so far is like Team Lighting has bought these Blondie boots, and I wear sandals only. These boots are like Australian-made boots. I'm like, you got you to gotta have these. Now the stage manager has them. Now our production manager has them. They're like $200 boots. I was like, I wear sandals all day long. I was like, I'm not going to buy a $200 pair of boots that I can't put on my feet because I like sandals. Yeah, but they are comfortable boots. They are comfortable. Like hiking they boots or they're like Uggs? I mean, they're like slip-on. They're, they're nice boots. I don't even know. Like, I don't even wear shoes hardly, so I don't even know what a nice boot is. But, you know, I feel like now that I'm getting pressured, they're like, you can't be part of this crew anymore unless you have your blinds. But yeah. it's kind of, that's probably the most antique thing that I've seen so far. Do you guys have any good windups from uh, previous tours or like last show crazy shit? Well, I can, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the first, the first band I ever toured with back in 2011 ish uh, was Hollywood and dead. And I, and I love those guys so much. I talked to him. I was talking to one of the guys earlier. I just, I love those guys so much. They're uh, they got fame from way back in the day and uh, you know, in the MySpace days, and you know this is a long long time ago and i was so just like stoked to work for those guys and when i did they they involved the band and the crew was involved in everything i mean we did not do anything without each other pre-show we would go to dinner we would go get drunk as shit before the shows i mean you know like we did everything together it was a very small crew it was a very small band it was band and crew on the bus um there are guitar tech and you know I'm sure that some people, if I, you know, watch this, probably know a guy named King Don. He's worked for Poison. He's worked for uh, all these different bands and stuff. He ended up being my roommate. And I was, you know, this is my first tour ever. I had no idea. I was like, I don't know what touring is about. What is this all about? And is this getting drunk every night a thing or partying? And I mean, we, we went, we went pretty hardcore, you know, we had a really good time, but King Don was my roommate. He's the kind of guy that as soon as the bus stops at the hotel at 10 AM, he's popping beers. I mean, he's drinking shots of vodka. He's doing all these things. To the point where he would basically pass out by about 2.30 in the afternoon in our room together. Where we have shared rooms at this tour. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm, at this point, I think I was maybe 30 years old or 28 or 27. And I was, I was having a good time. I was like, doing a fair amount of partying myself. But, uh, you know, this guy was just taking it to a whole new level. I was like, holy shit, this guy's been on the road for 25 years. And he's just every day getting hammered drunk. And I was like, is this how I'm going to be in 25 years if I stick, stick with this? And I've tried my best not to, be, to become that person, but I remember very distinctly, he would get so drunk, he would pass out by 2.30 in the afternoon. And, you know, lighting guys, we don't have the craziest hard job, but it's like, we, we wake up first, we're dumping our truck first, we're getting all the stuff in. So I try to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Well, King Don would wake up, you know, sober-ish around 2 a.m. and he's, it's time to party again. We're in the same hotel room, he's popping bottles again and popping beer caps off. And he loved to play the TV at, a, at an extremely loud volume. Every light had to be on in the hotel room. So during the day when he would pass out, he would wake up around 10 o'clock. I would go through and I would unscrew all the light bulbs in all the hotel rooms. And I would take the batteries out of the remote of the TV so that when he would wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, he's scratching his head. He's like, oh, shit. He's calling front desk. He's like, I think the power is off in the room. I can't get any lights on. The TV's broken, all the shit. So he would walk down to the front desk and they're like, sir, you know, I don't think anything's wrong. As I'd hear him walk out to the front desk, I'd get up, I'd screw all the light bulbs back in, I'd put the batteries back in the remote, and he'd come in, and all the lights were on, and he's just sitting there, you know, kind of drunk and hungover, scratching his head and stuff. And How many times did you do it? 
I mean, damn, this is, we did European tours. We did Russia for three weeks. I mean, we did. You think it was a coincidence that it was your first tour and you got stuck in the room with him? <laughs> well, he was. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think it was coincidence, but we came really close because he taught me, you know, I'd never been on tour before. He's like, if you stick with me, I'll teach you the right things and the wrong things to do. He's like, there's a time and a place to do everything. And uh, and I was I was fortunate to, to, to room with a guy like that because as a young guy, I'd never been on the road. It's intimidating. You know, you're around a bunch of famous rock stars you've never seen before. I remember when I walked into the rehearsal space and I saw Hollywood Undead for the first time, I was like, holy shit. First time I've been in the presence of a famous person and now I have to talk to him and I have to impress him and I have to like keep my job and stuff. And, you know, you go to all these... I remember my first uh, festival was Earth Day birthday in Orlando, Florida. You know, we're sitting in catering and uh, Offspring was playing, uh, Stone Sour was playing, I'm walking next to Corey Taylor, who is one of my favorite rock stars of all time. I'm like, holy shit, how do you keep yourself not a fan when you're like never experienced it before? And I've done a good job of it. I've never actually had my picture taken with a famous rock star, even though there's uh, plenty of times. And I think you get more credit for doing that, but. I've been starstruck plenty of times, you know, doing these big festivals and stuff. Yeah, still, it's okay. Fuck it. It's part of the fun. It is. It's all right. You no, know, there was one time when I really regretted in my entire life. Uh, we did, uh, it was Carolina Rebellion and it was a rain delay and there was a big MMA fight and they, uh, the, the festival had rented the, this MMA fight and it was in rain delay. So I'm sitting next to Scott Weiland, sitting next to, I think Marilyn Manson was there. The whole Papa Ranch, Papa Roach camp was there. And I love Scott Weiland more than anything in the world. And I was like, man, sitting right next to him, I was like, could I just talk to him and say like, hey, I love your music. I'm so thankful that I got to hear Stone Temple Pilots. Can I have a picture? I passed out on the opportunity and then he died like two weeks later. Uh, so kind of a bummer. And maybe, maybe next time I'll take those opportunities. If I see Corey Taylor, which I have met him before, he's such a nice guy, such a laid back guy. Maybe I'll ask him for a picture or something like that. Yeah, it's not that. It's, Scott was all right. Scott, was a, Scott would have been cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of fun. I got, I, you know, it's, I was, uh, I was going to do an interview. I was born in Cambridge, England. And uh, I was like, you know, do you guys want to give me any press? I think it was press for my book. And, the, and I, and I said, uh, they're like, well, how many pictures with, do you have with you in the bands? <laughs> well, I mean, not a fucking lot. I'm working. Yeah, I'm lot, making all really. these excuses. I'm like, why are you calling me? You know, why are you calling me out? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, I have one with STP and we're all dressed in drag for Halloween. And they never wrote back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like to hear that. I don't know. I loved STP too. So I do too, I, man. They was, they're such a great band. And I remember, and actually the day that I did meet Corey Taylor, uh, we were at another festival. And just by, just by passing, uh, I was with another guy, uh, Johnny Chow, who plays for Stone Sour, plays bass, and he plays bass in Calvary Conspiracy. We ran into each other and, uh, he was with Corey. I was like, oh, this is my perfect opportunity to talk to Corey and to say what's up and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, how's Sum 41 doing and all this stuff. And I was with Sum 41 at the time. And uh, he's like, so what's it like to tour with Sum 41? Me and Corey Taylor having this conversation. He's like, oh, that's cool. It's a good time. And then uh, STP with the new singer was playing that day at the festival. And I remember standing on the stage with Corey Taylor, like watching the STP and we're looking at each other like, new guy's not bad. You know, he's not, not terrible, but uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. You got any fun shit, Alex? You Canadians uh, I'm, get crazy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not too too much fun. I I don't drink or anything, so I'm. I don't have any of those stories. Um, I will say one. Uh, one of the bands I worked with a, a couple years ago, Ice Nine Kills. They're like a horror metal band. Everything's horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I I thought going into it because so many bands have kind of an act that they do on stage where you know they portray themselves in this way and then they come off stage and everything changes and they're just you know the nicest people and then they go back on stage and they're assholes then they come off stage they're the nicest people again these guys they they do the horror thing so everything is spooky terrifying blood guts gore all that stuff they have theatrics where they have actors on stage and there's murder scenes that they reenact from movies it's all a bunch of crazy stuff their singer uh, off stage, all he does on the bus all day, because he, he won't leave the bus. He'll just put on in the front lounge, he'll put on one movie. In the back lounge, he'll put on another movie, but, you know, gory slasher movies. And then he'll just walk back and forth on the bus all day watching these horror movies. Does he have and, his own bus? 
no 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 everybody has to watch it um, all right okay and uh so he he you know it's always horror movies and then so at the end of the night um he puts on more horror movies for everybody to watch and it's okay this is a, this is a lot this is a lot for me it took probably three weeks in that tour for him to find out that i am terrified of horror movies at the time I was <laughs> and yeah. he made it his life's goal to condition me to horror movies and you know I used to be the running joke for my friends it was like oh you know what Let, let's take Alex to see this horror movie because I would be that guy in the theater that would scream okay. um, <laughs> yes. you know the guy that you leave the horror movie and you're you're, you're laughing because that one guy in the back that was terrified and like probably peed his pants that was me um so being on this bus, watching these horror movies and then reenacting them live and having to design a show around them, he's like, oh, so you've seen all 20 Halloween movies or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Guy with mask kills people. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. He's like, oh, great. And then the show would happen and I watched just enough of the movies to be like, okay, yeah, this this will work. <laughs> and then for him to eventually three weeks into the tour find out i haven't seen a single one of these movies i'm terrified of them and i won't watch them uh and then the punishment came of having to watch and i i swear if he could have he would have put toothpicks in my eyes and kept them open um but he made me watch every horror movie on the planet at least once <laughs> and now i'm conditioned i'm not i'm not afraid of every anything i'm now psychotic i don't like to be scared either i like to be I'm a I'm a very good time vibey person. Uh, I don't like to be scared. Nobody. Likes yeah, I mean, I don't. Like I don't. I, it's it's not so much the death and the gore and stuff. It's like the jump scares get me, and then the, it's the the crazy people that think that the jump scares aren't scary. Oh, that didn't get me. That got you. Yeah. My problem with a horror film is I I I feel like I just wasted an hour and a half where I could be doing something else because this is crap. This is total garbage. <laughs> yeah. And then I found for a while I was watching these like uh, serial killer TV shows that are like real shit, you know. Yeah. And I'm realizing how blame am I that I'm watching this for for the fun of it of this horrible shit yeah. that happened, you know. I'm like, this is a terrible way to go to sleep. So, but I, I had. Yeah, uh, I, I like bad movies though, like the Sharknado series best movies i want to see it i honestly haven't but i mean come on you know or snakes on a plane i've never seen that either so sharknado absolutely sharknado right on man well i appreciate you guys' time thank you for it and uh i'll think of you next time i'm in canada my friend (laughs) (laughs) hit me up if you're in charleston we'll have some beers on the boat Hey, thanks for watching Party Like a Rockstar. If you're not already subscribed to the Facebook or YouTube channels, do it. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The handle is Party of Stars. Thanks for watching. You'll see you next time.